the Premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lee Carson, Newcastle Hunters Home Rugby League. Welcome back to another episode of League Castle. I am, of course, your host, Chris McPherson. And uh, not as advertised, we've got a little bit of a change in the lineup. We were unable to uh, nail down Jacob Briggs, so we'll hopefully get him later in the year for a catch-up because we do have some good questions coming in from the fans. But instead, we've got a man who's been involved in rugby league in a whole number of different facets uh, from uh, elements of uh, playing uh, through the grades with a couple of local clubs as well as coaching, being on committees, uh, he's been involved with uh, Souths, North Newcastle, Lakes United and a host of other entities, including, I think at one point, uh, whether they were Hexham or the Williamtown Jets. And he's been a regular on our show uh, over the last couple of years. Tony Delaney, welcome to the show. Great to be back, mate. The Southwest mate, a.k.a. Gordon Tallis in the, uh, in the late 90s, mate. Figure out some distance of George. <laughs> yeah, I love it, mate. So uh, I guess, mate, we might start off. There's, there's a little bit to talk about and we've had a little chat off air, I guess, uh, Mate, uh, you're on the you're on the committee. I think it is out there at Lakes. What's your position, first of all, and and what's been happening with the the layoff with Lakes? Mate, I'm the uh, senior vice president of Lakes United, and of course, our club is led by uh, Craig Kamal. He's done a fantastic job since taking up the office uh, late last year. Mate, um, for us, it's sort of been with the players. Obviously, our squads were stood down from pre-season training, and those guys have been training in isolation, obviously under the uh, direction of our performance staff, and those guys have. Um, been diligent to their programs, etc., where possible. But mate, from a from us, from a financial standpoint, luckily we've had the backing of the uh, Belmont community, and the majority of our sponsors have um, decided to keep in with their sponsorships to keep our club running, which is just so fantastic because the Seagulls are a community asset, and we really do rely on that heavy that heavy local business entity to keep the club going. So, mate, for us now, it's about just trying to nail down a date and find out when that's going to be all going ahead, and hopefully get the players back to training and. Um, just business as usual. It's obviously very difficult not knowing the landscape looks exactly like right at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting one and something that's just crossed my mind is a lot of the, uh, certainly Tui's Cup sides, um, probably five or six, are quite heavily reliant on leagues club support and it's something that you guys lost in the last couple of years and so may have actually dampened the impact possibly for you uh, in terms of COVID with obviously all the clubs and pubs pretty much shutting down. Look, it's it's actually, it's funny you mention that because, um, you know, for us, one of our heaviest supporters of recent years has been um, Jeff and the crew down at Jules Tavern, and they've been fantastic yet again going into season 2020. Um, we also signed a significant deal with the uh, Belmont 16 footers to be our new home as well. And unfortunately, at the moment, obviously, with the footers not trading, we're uh, still sort of looking at where things are there. We'll have to obviously get a deal done with Scott very soon. So, you know, they've they all been very supportive and fantastic, but Ultimately, you know, those community assets like the Belmont 16s play a big part in local sport, not just for the rugby league, but I know they're also supporters of the Black Diamond and the AFL and various netball clubs and also the sailing, of course, as well. So it's sort of a wait-and-see approach about what happens there. But, you know, I think that, you know, in the wider part of the Newcastle community, particularly the rugby league, the reliance on licensed clubs is, um, you know, it's always been stronger. I think that, you know, we need to look at business models and revenue streams outside of that to keep the game growing and alive. Yeah, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. There's a, a heavy tie-in with um, ven- venues and uh, suppliers of alcohol and, and our game especially, but uh, on a broader scale, a lot of the sporting landscape in, in Newcastle and the Hunter and, and wider. 
So it'll be interesting to see how that does play out. Um, I mean, obviously there is still the, the position for the um, breweries, the likes of Tui's, etc., who are the major sponsor, um, to um, still sell via bottleos and those sorts of things, but there's still going to be quite an impact. And the other thing that'll be an impact, and we'll get onto it in a little bit, is you know the availability if we do return to football um, on these dates they've proposed whether or not we'll be able to have either full crowds, limited crowds, because at the end of the day, the bar takings are, are one of the primary fundraisers for uh, competitions and clubs in, in our sport, certainly. I, I can't vouch for the others, but I imagine it'll be quite the same in a few of the sporting codes. Yeah, absolutely. I think you find, I just had a look through some of the legislation today and something that went through, you know, executive order through New South Wales Parliament. The actual one you're looking at, it's called the um, COVID-19 Restrictions on Gathering and Movement, Section 1A. Now, that's, um, that there expires at midnight on the 29th um, of June 2020. Now, that's currently, obviously, it's going to be assessed by public health officials, you know, on a week-to-week basis, I would imagine. So, um, you know, hopefully a start of the competition, you know, even if we can get, you know, majority of the season with crowds, I think that would be necessary, you know, for entities, not just our club, but a lot of other entities to go ahead because we do rely on bar and canteen sales as a significant portion of our income. So, and that's also, I think, the two is, is that, now, you're playing, whether it be in the Newcastle Hunter Community Rugby League or the Tui's Newcastle Rugby League, you know, it, it's really, it's not just a sport, it's really a gathering place for the wider community as well, you know, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's a real, I know that our club is a really family orientated day, and I know that South Newcastle will work that way. That's sort of a, something that you do every, you know, fortnight, everyone gets together and gets down there and cheers on the local side, and, um, you know, for... Uh, I think it's also a difficult thing to police. I mean, you look at some of the grounds, particularly in the Newcastle Hunter, Community Rugby League, you know, such as let's say Walls and Tigers, um, how do you stop them assembling? You know, that's uh, it creates a wider problem as well. So um, a lot of questions there that need to be answered, and um, and also you know how do you police it? I'm not really sure, but um, hopefully you know if people have been doing the right thing and self isolating at home and and just going out at the necessary times, we might be able to um, flatten the curve as they say and get back to business as usual. Yeah, we certainly hope that uh, it is business as usual, and, and we might. That's probably a good segue to have a look at uh, obviously what was released yesterday and we shared it on our page and I don't think I've ever seen a post on Facebook be shared by so many different organisations. I didn't realise how many footy clubs I actually followed on there until all of a sudden I had you know, three clubs plus 46 others, I think it was, that have shared this uh, link, which was the link to the New South Wales Rugby League announcement, basically outlining that um, as of the 22nd of April, they've... Uh, in line with uh, a number of other sports, uh, agreed to a competition restart date, obviously pending all those clearances you talked about, of the 18th of July, uh, allowing a return to training on the 1st of July. Now, there's a few things that obviously are going to go into this, and it's a discussion I've had with a number of people from clubs already. Uh, one of the first things is, there's, as uh, anyone who can do some rudimentary maths can figure out, there's only 17 days there, two and a half weeks. Is that going to be enough time for, especially senior competitions, Tony, to get players back on the training paddock doing team drills and, you know, contact and all those sorts of things and be ready to, you know, with that duty of care and consideration, take the field? Oh, look, I think that um, it's probably mainly a question, particularly for those guys in the reserve grades. Yeah, and I know that our performance staff have been um, very committed, you know, led by Coach Robbie Payne in regards to the preparation of our players, particularly through the pre-season. It's been so disappointing because it's probably one of the fittest squads I've seen in quite a number of years, probably since the absence of Lee Clark at the club which is just going back to 2016, uh, that we were prepared and they were really ready to rip in. And to have those guys sort of go into maintenance training now, you know, sort of takes the edge off that. And I suppose that that was something that we were really looking forward to with our players and making that part of our springboard. You know, a two-week cycle, I'm not really sure. That's probably, you know, my background in that, I'd probably suggest that you probably need at least a minimum of four to six weeks. But in saying that, though, I think it's one of those things where, 
you've got to look at you know the sacrifice of that to get rugby league back on the park playing football, and not only just from a a club's earning standpoint, but also just for a community enjoyment standpoint, but also our players. You know, I know that um, there'd be some of our guys there that you know almost be prepared to play for free. I'd imagine just to get them on the park because at the end of the day, you know, yes, a lot of our players are paid, but just like the Newcastle Hunter Community Rugby League guys, they play for the enjoyment of the game. Yeah, that's certainly right, and and that's going to be quite a an interesting balance, I guess. Is is those players understanding there's going to be limitations on on club funding because there are some players who you know this is quite a significant source of income for them, um, and and that will be part of their focus. But it's going to be about finding that balance and uh, having a look at what I guess we can do in terms of the competition, and that's probably again a good point. We talked about it off air in terms of players yep. playing. There's going to be quite a void. We saw the Canterbury Cup and Queensland Cups both cancelled. Uh, earlier in the year, Absolutely. New South Wales and Queensland Rugby yeah. League have made the decision to cancel those competitions. Do you think it's an opportunity for those guys, especially you know uh, the fringe Knights players, you know those players you might call them players eighteen through thirty, if, if everyone's fighting fit? Do you expect yeah. that they they may turn out in, in the local league once the local league's back up and running? Obviously, the Knights will probably start earlier, all being well and going to schedule that they've currently put out. Look, I think that there's a limited risk for that, and that, that's obviously something that National Rugby League and their football staff would be looking at. However, I'd suggest to you that, you know, let's say that a player who's 25 through 30 and he comes back and plays in the Tui's Newcastle Rugby League, for example, and he does happen to contract COVID-19 during the NRL's isolation period, that he then becomes ineligible to play in the National Rugby League. So I can, I really think that the National Rugby League will probably take the stance of, you know, quarantining those 30, that top 30 key players and they get those guys that um, are not getting any playing time, you know, the 25 through 30 guys, I think they'll be limited to scrimmaging, you know, during the um, the Telstra Premierships, what is training, I would imagine. I'd like to see them, you know, out and about, you know, playing for their local clubs, or maybe, you know, for some days they're out of area going to like a draft system or something, not sure how that would work or be entailed. But so I think that it creates a significant risk. And I think also that, you know, keeping those players in the top 30 quarantine almost somewhat guarantees the future of the Telstra Premiership and given the fact that the TV rights are currently being negotiated we need that competition as strong as possible because that money, hopefully, with the advent of Peter Valenti's taking on that new role in the NRL, will finally start to filter down into um, leagues like ours. Yeah, certainly understand where you're coming from there. It'll be interesting to see. And then, obviously, though, there should be a somewhat of a boon or a boost to a number of the clubs. I know when we caught up with... Uh, uh, Robbie Payne earlier in the season, he was talking about the fact that there was a, a number of sort of Lakes products yeah, um, associated with the Knights, yeah. and I know a couple of other clubs are certainly in that boat as well, where those players probably would have been yeah. the extended squad well, and in and out of the Canterbury Cup. So you'd probably like to see those guys back there. You're right, Chris. I mean, we've had uh, in the top 30 currently. We've got um, Chris Randall and Luke Huff, and um, you know, those guys have been fantastic for us. But I mean, on the strings here in the Canterbury Cup for us, you know, it's probably headline. And the three that come to, to mind for me right at the moment are probably you know Jay Tolafeo, who was outstanding for us right throughout. 2019 was probably one of the real highlight performers in our season. But also the return of um, Lyndon Hills as well, who's been away with the Sydney Roosters. And Matt Cooper, of course, who's um, you know been around the, the, both the Knights and um, obviously the Queensland Cup system there as well. And um, you know he's been fantastic. He was great for the Knights in their win over the Warriors in round, round two, rather, of the Canterbury Cup. So um, we'd like to see those guys back and playing. And um, we think they, we can definitely service as a platform for them, for them to continue back in the Canterbury Cup and hopefully be on the following year. So we'd love to see that. Um, that's fantastic, and that's something that we're definitely budget for. So um, we had to see those guys back. But, of course, we weigh the jurisdiction of um, the Knights and obviously the conversation for uh, both the clubs and the two is Newcastle Rugby League and those players to have with the Knights. And um, 
I suppose those discussions will probably be coming sooner rather than later. Yeah, certainly a, a watch this space one, I think, that'll uh, be starting to rise up. And another one that I know, um, another club just to your north, your local rivals, uh, a former Lakes junior that they'd be chomping at the bit. They did sign him, Dylan Pythian, before he got signed into the Blacktown Workers squad. They'd be chomping at the bit to hope that he might be able to return because he'd certainly be an excitement packet if he's uh, playing in the Tui's Newcastle Rugby League. Marty is. He's been. Um, mate, he's, he's probably. He's had a tough few years, obviously, with some you know some maintenance that were documented. Phil, he's a fantastic guy, Pitts, and um, you know uh, I'd prefer not to see him in um, those little white colours <laughs> of Central, but um, obviously I'd like to see also what happens. You know, he's a great fellow, and he's always been made himself available to make United. Um, you know, even for a personal commitment, you know, with his days for the Newcastle Knights. So now we wish him all the best, and. Um, no, I'm sure he'll be back in the Lakes jersey sooner rather than later when he sees the light again, unfortunately. But, um, but uh, no, mate, quite possibly he might find himself back. I'm not sure he's current rank star, but um, that'd be interesting. And we've also got uh, Jack Kelly over there as well. So, um, yeah, that'd be a, I, th- I think that'd be a really... Uh, mate, I'll be front and centre for that one, and I think you might be as well. That'd be quite a good game, that one, the Central Lakes game. So, uh, plenty of sledging, I reckon. Yeah, there's probably a bit of build up on the uh, social media. I can imagine. There's never any love lost, mate. Um, but uh, I, I guess the other the other big big thing to talk about is competition structure. Uh, there's been a number of different ideas thrown around. There was a lot of conversation. Interestingly enough, we had a lot of clubs that were in conversation with in the week leading into this announcement, prior to knowing that it was actually coming. Um, and, and the different concepts, the, the overwhelming thought and, and concept that I got certainly, probably more so from the Newcastle and Hunter community clubs, is they just wanted to play for you. They didn't care what it was. Um, they just wanted to have some sort of season that had enough of a feel to being a season, whether that meant Twilight Footy playing in October and November or what it was, then um, that, that was their, their viewpoint. But the new date that we've been given does give us, I guess, a window for about... The ideal seems to be about a 10 to 11 week comp with uh, either a three or four week final series, depending on which one of those options you go for. Do you think yeah. that's and, you know, look, enough? Look, I, look, I think it's, you know, we have played 14 and we go with that sort of round because the other thing we understand too is these players, they don't have uh, the access to rehabilitation and physiotherapy like full time guys you would not. So, you know, you'd want to see them probably finishing late October at the latest, ideally. So that way they can have a few months off and be with their families before getting right back in the training camp January. Um, I'd, I'd hate to see the competition, you know, strag all the way down near December. The guys have a few weeks off and get back into it. You know, I think they need a fresh approach. Um, I think probably the biggest thing that's highlighted for me personally is, is that it's a fantastic the Newcastle uh, Hunter Community Rugby League and the Newcastle Rugby League to get together here and have a look at some scheduling. Because I can think of no better weekend than the Saturday, watching all the grades, you know, where possible, um, at the one ground on a Saturday in the Newcastle Hunter Community Rugby League, and then also backing up on the Sunday to his Newcastle Rugby League grand finals. That would be an outstanding weekend of rugby league, and that's something I'd definitely be front and centre for. No need yourself a really, no probably calling some of the action. And um, I think that'd be good if they had that sort of um, overall approach to it, because as we know, there's probably going to be some... Um, it's probably time to have a look at you know both the community competition and the district competition and look what's best for for both bodies and you know how that game's going to be going in the future because at the moment they're probably a little bit divided and in their strategy and how we attract people to the game and how we keep them and how we service elite football and that's a discussion that probably needs to be had on a broader level. Yeah, it certainly does, and and I think there's a number of matters to be looked at there. One one as you say, working together rather than working against and. And it's interesting, I actually had a chat to um, some former Lakes players and, and another man being your head coach uh, about the concept just around every sporting event in Newcastle seems previously to have been Saturday 3 o'clock seemed to be the desired kickoff for everyone. 
um, and, and whether there might be opportunities for people to branch out. You know, I, I remember way back when, you know, we're going back 12 years ago when I played for Lakes and we'd play a handful of 5.30, 6 o'clock, sort of the first grade would, which meant your third grade kicking off at sort of 3 in the afternoon on a Saturday for the twilight. And it rolls into what's a quite a good night. I mean, if you're a third grader or a reserve grader, you hang around, have a few cans. And I mean, in those days we had to do the sporties, but now it'll likely be the 16-footers for you guys and similar for some of the other clubs. Um, and even the Newcastle oh, Hunter sides to look at, you know, Saturday or Friday night games and, and mix it up a little bit to try and just, I guess, give the opportunity to not everyone be competing for the same, uh, I guess, window of window of viewers and window of fans. Uh, but there's, there's yeah, a number absolutely. of ways to skin those options. Mate, I completely agree. I think that obviously, you know, for rugby league creeks like us, mate, we try and get as many games as possible. And now I, I used to love the old Friday nights at Dudley getting out there and, you know, particularly if Dudley were playing in a competition, I might have been coaching and then going out to watch that. And, uh, I used to love as a player, you know, Saturday matches where, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd play, you know, 20s or whatever it may be. You'd, you'd, you'd be there for the rest of the day, but also you'd probably pull up stumps at about 4.30 at Fanning's. That were the days, mate. So and you, <laughs> I know that you were definitely, I saw you present there a number of times. Just a couple. So, um, yeah, just, maybe just a few, but um, I think also that, you know, some of those clubs, you find a lot of that camaraderie format, you know, where you have your, your game together and then you go out that night together. Um, and I think that's that's lost, you know, with all of those Sunday matches. It's difficult, though, also, you know, a club like ours, we're a very much a community club. And, um, you know, we have a lot of our junior affiliates um, that, you know, obviously Valentine, Ellie Barner and the Belmont Mall Sharks and Wendell and Swansea who all have um, Saturday matches as yeah. juniors. Now, one of the things that's unique to our club is that you look right throughout the coaching staff the coaching staff or the junior grades are either current or ex-Lakes United players or um, officials. So, you know, those guys can find themselves on a Saturday. And, you know, I mean, for example, Bolton, those guys will be at Lenny Oval from 7am till half past two and then uh, try and make the grade game. And, you know, if it's South versus Cessnock, it's Cessnock, that's probably not going to happen. So, um, you know, it probably affects our crowds a little bit for Saturdays. But I'd like to see it, to be honest with you, Saturdays, at least a few Saturdays, particularly for the players' point of view as well. Um, and also even just backing out to work on a Monday, mate, you know, if you've been you're subjected to Townsend Oval cricket pitch at 3 o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, I'd imagine that 6 a.m. Uh, the building site on uh, the Monday morning would uh, not be as attractive, I'd imagine. So. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I certainly recall, and, and I wasn't working on a building site by any means or early starts even, but I certainly recall a couple of times where, you know, one, one beer, I mean, you know, it was only one, of course, that just really got the better of me on, on a Sunday evening and uh, trying to get front up for work even at 9 or 10 o'clock on a Monday was... Uh, Half a battle, and uh, yeah, it becomes quite a challenge, as you say, for the social element. The other thing I'd like to see, and I know I've raised it and talked to a couple of clubs, and I know a couple of clubs in Newcastle and Hunter did look at it in recent years. Um, I remember, again, going back to sort of that 08, 09 period, Windale and Waratah did a couple of times, is, is switching it up and having some double headers. Uh, again, it's around the flexibility and the feasibility. Um, but if you've yeah. got a couple of, couple of those clubs that are local, to try and you know, and, and Window and Belmont South come to mind with the recent A grade competition last year. There's quite a lot of those teams locally based. If you could have a double header and then turn it into a bit of an event, or the same with night games, even. And we saw, uh, I think it was Hamilton, they did it last year out at Learmont. They played Swansea in the top of the table clash in the uh, Southern Conference of D grade. And then, you know, mini buses over to their major sponsor, the Kent. The courtesy bus just kept coming back and doing laps until they were all there. Um, it's a great, great um, thing to capitalise on. If you've got two games, obviously you need to return the favour, but. Just looking at some different options, especially this season's going to be very different. We're, we're aware of that. There's no two ways about it. But having a look at what options we can do to try and, you know, um, I guess drum up uh, some more funds or some better financial opportunities for the clubs and, and support as well. 
Yeah, look, I think obviously, you know, it's one of those things you need to adapt or die. And I think that, you know, as as administrators, we need to look to continually evolve. And I think the promotions like that, you know, the ducks out there, I know, no doubt you probably have to sell that courtesy bus too, squirrely. I'll miss that actually. I'm not surprised, mate. <laughs> um, um, I honestly think that, um, you know, things like that are, are, absolute, are absolutely, um, you know, it's probably the way of the future, so to speak. And it's obviously, it's a difficult thing to achieve, um, particularly with the district comp, obviously having so many grades. Um, and if you're, if you're split teams, et cetera, elsewhere, then it puts you know, double the amount of stress on the support staff. And, um, but so I think that that's... Um, it's probably the way to go, particularly with Newcastle um, kind of community rugby league. I can really see that, and also just um, I think also from a um, from a fans' perspective as well. You know, it's um, I know plenty of times where I've found myself at uh, you know one oval. I'm, I'm, I might be down at Belmont South watching the Rabbitohs for the first half. I'll try and sneak over and and uh, catch another game in town for the second half. You know, it's um, yep. if you sort of can't decide which one you're going to be at. Um, so look, I think it's the way of the future, and it's the way that you know, it's difficult how you divide the revenue shares there. Maybe if you do it. No, we just lost you there, Tone. Sorry, there, mate. Are oh, you alright? You're back. Not the same, mate. Um, you know, if Bill wants to run over the co-host games one week and then and the other co-host games next week, they potentially split the revenue share, and that might be the way to go about it. But um, yeah, I think you're really going to look outside the box there as well. Yeah, certainly, mate. I think I think now's the time to start looking at some other options and seeing what we can do and, and try it out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then we, we, we can say we tried, I guess. I, I mean, we saw Aberglassen last year, an interesting one. They had the ladies' league tag, the ladies' tackle, and the men's, and, you know, they, they diverted from the standard of most would expect that, you know, you'd play either ladies' tackle, then tag, or vice versa, and then the men's as the main game. They quite often did the men's as the first or the second game because they found the blokes would sit around and drink cans and watch the girls, so... You know, just trying different things, and they played some different time slots. I think at one point they played their last game at 5 o'clock on a Saturday. The lights at McKeechee's aren't great, but they've tried a few different things, and they are probably one of the clubs to look at in terms of Newcastle and Hunter, in terms of the innovators. What Mick Akers and the crew up there are doing is quite good, and that, that you know, if yeah. clubs are interested, I know Mick's more than happy to have a chat about these things. So, look, I think the the, the key message is it's an opportunity, This you know, whatever this revamp season looks like, and, and my personal vote is... You know, certainly around that ten team, a uh, ten week comp. Um, at least it gives us an opportunity everyone to play each other once, and then a few double ups. Uh, how how they decide on those double ups is going to be another balancing matter, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think as long as you know the structure's done with transparency and everything, like where you know how they've arrived at that process, or you know whether it's done as a live lotto or something, it may be. I think that's fine. But um, I'd rather have ten weeks of regular competition football than none. And um, look, you know, there's some guys there that. Um, you know, it's going to be very competitive. I mean, if you have some of these um, Canterbury Cup players coming back in the competition, particularly with the new fast road league, you'll see this game really uh, heightened there. So, realistically, I know it's disappointing that it might be starting so late, but, you know, one of the positives in it, we're not looking for a very, very high standard of um, local footy issues. Yeah, exactly right. I'm certainly looking forward to that. And my, my initial thought, certainly with the Newcastle Rugby League, was if for, for one of any other term, you could either, as you said, do the lottery or even just do the old draw the line in the sand and the, the coast and country. So essentially have the, the three coalfields and Macquarie is, the, is one pool and the other, you know, the inner city, um, central lakes, Newcastle, uh, west and south, um, basically play it. And that, they're the teams that you play each other. Um, the extra time just to give a bit more of a derby to it, I guess, because obviously you want to have an extra West and South, you want to have an extra Central and Lakes. It's hard because an extra yeah, Lakes Macquarie would be nice too. But um, yeah, certainly to try and add some more of those rivalry games, but still balance the competition. So, and mate, I, I, I think one of the ones there in that rivalry this year, I think the Maitland says not going to be outstanding. But no doubt that Todd Edwards um, will be ready for that as well. You know, he's keen off that grand final loss last year, and he's assembled the squad there, and 
Obviously, Maitland under their new coach, Matt Lantry, and a host of other signings. That's going to be, I can really see the Coalfields are leading the balance of the Newcastle Rugby League this year. Yeah, they're certainly both added well, and uh, there's a nice. I know there's a nice little personal rivalry between those two two coaches as well. They they always like to get up for the games, and and most people will be looking to get up against Maitland this year. I would have thought, but I think the the biggest silver lining we can take out of this mate is it looks like we're going to get some footy, and it's only I say only only a couple of months away, uh, two and a half or three months or three months away. Uh, but you know, a couple of weeks ago, it looked like we may have had no season whatsoever. So that's probably the biggest silver lining. There's some work certainly to be done, and. I'm sure all the competition uh, administrators, the likes of Dave Wilde running the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League as well as our board, and then Matt Harris and his team running the Newcastle Rugby League will be looking to try and you know update people and, and communicate with teams. I guess at the moment, though, the final spanner in the works and, and certainly one that your club uh, and a couple of the other grade clubs will be affected by is if we do run it with this 10-week comp and uh, a three- or four-week final series, we're probably looking at around a 24th of October finish, which is about round three of cricket, round two or three of cricket normally. How does that play out? I mean, obviously, we can look at, you know, balancing the draw so that, you know, clubs like Lakes and West have a lot of home games at the start of the season, but it throws out a big issue if we're looking at um, finals and, you know, the right to host a home final, which is obviously a big revenue raiser and also a big, uh, you know, advantage in terms of the local rugby league. Yeah, look, I think it's something that it can be getting across um, probably sooner rather than later. But I mean, speaking off the top of my head, I know that um, you know we've got a great relationship with Golden Cricket, and we understand how important the you know, Newcastle Tissue Cricket Association season is to them. Look, probably you know for our standpoint, I'd imagine that you know we'll try and use Carlo as much as humanly possible. However, and you know, not just can there are limitations and the preparation of the wicket also takes time. We also have a great relationship with our affiliates, and we have been known to take the odd home game here and there, particularly in the pre-season to Valentine and Window and places like that. So maybe that's something an alternative we can look at or perhaps we can get together with another club or maybe, you know, potentially look at, um, you know, somewhere like St John Oval or something like that. You know, it's we'll do what needs to be done to be able to get the matches on. There's no doubt about that. And we'll try and do it the most cost, cost-effective solution. But, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think there's plenty of juniors that would love to go back to Lennigan or back to... Um, back to Devil's Playground over there at Valentine and maybe um, relive some of the old memories, mate. So uh, that'd be interesting to see, actually. I think it'd be good for the, the team to get in their community from our perspective. Um, you know, of and course, I think mate, that, you, um, did, you did miss miss one there, so we don't don't want the boys down at uh, down at Swansea to get too upset. So Parbury Park's always a good one. Oh, not at all, mate. Come on, mate. Yeah, well, now that they've upgraded the dressing room, mate, before, mate, the old dressing room at Parbury, mate, you probably fit you an island, and that's about it. So, um, mate, I remember being a referee, refereeing and we had to get changed in the canteen. Well, yeah, the head was at Fair Deacon, but uh, no, that's good. It's a good opportunity out there actually watching the Swans, particularly when they've had two teams in the competition. So, uh, no, mate, we'll have to get Swans in all, mate. We, uh, we love our uh, neighbours there at the bridge. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. we've got some options there, mate, and that's something we'll definitely look at. And I think that's going to be something is there's going to have to be a preparedness for a bit of flexibility if people want to get these competitions on. I mean, we've got 30 clubs in the Newcastle and Hunter Community Rugby League Plus and the eight clubs in uh, the Newcastle Twoies Rugby League um, to just... At the end of the day, yes, it'd be great if we could have a perfect perfect scenario and everyone could play, you know, their their exact number of home games and, you know, it'd be great if we could still get 18 in, but it's not going to happen. So we need to realise and we need to sort of work with each other. Hopefully the cricket clubs can understand. I know a lot of them went through some real disappointment in terms of missing their final series, so they'll understand what, what it is that we're going through and hopefully we can come to some agreements, some arrangements and uh, we can get a decent season in which 10 games represents five home games for each club and... Uh, that would at least line the coffers a little bit to pad us up for what is going to be an absolute bumper 2021 when it comes around. But like I said, mate, I'm just excited that footy's back on back on uh, the agenda and uh, can't, can't wait for that um, the date of July 
um, 18 should, should we be uh, underway then pending no other de- uh, delays? Mate, I've been having some severe withdrawals. I found myself just had to jump on the server desk and just get a few team cards. I feel the app's going, mate, just get yourself ready for it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's been uh, just the withdrawals, mate. I didn't get back on that line. So, uh, no, mate, looking forward to it, mate. And um, no doubt, you know, it'll be a great season in both competitions. And, uh, seeing what 2020 brings, hopefully some light at the end of this road. Uh, tell them we've all been through yeah, certainly, mate. Well, we appreciate your time. Uh, we look forward to seeing you down at Carl Oval in the not-too-distant future for a beverage and uh, to listen to your dulcet tones on the on the ground announcers, Mike, mate. And uh, as always, we really appreciate you jumping on it and again at short notice this week. And, uh, yeah, let's count down to, to footy. We're going to have plenty more content coming at the guys and, and we really appreciate your time, mate. So we'll catch you shortly. Fantastic, mate. Have a listener, mate. Keep up the good work. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Chris. That was Tony Delaney, the Senior Vice President from Lakes United. As always, we appreciate his input and insights into our great game. Uh, he uh, He's always got an interesting take on these things. So as we touched on there, it is uh, the announcement from the New South Wales Rugby League. We're looking at July 18th as the start date for Community Rugby League, which represents all of our local competitions now. So we look forward to counting down those three months we have remaining. And uh, again, thanks to Tony from Lakes for joining us. A big thanks to our sponsors, Newey Threads. Uh, without them, this show doesn't continue to go on. So we really appreciate them. And if you've got a, a guest from your club that you'd like to see on the show, flick us a message on the page. Make sure to get around our Facebook page and Instagram and our Twitter accounts. Plenty of content on the social media channels. We really appreciate you tuning in to another episode of League Castle. And we look forward to speaking to you again soon. To King, King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be a try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window will get their second. You're listening to League Cup, Newcastle Hunters, Hunters, Rugby League.